0: hey alex hey how our are you?
1: first podcast absolutely how are you feeling about it good a little bit nervous <laughs> first time i've only listened to podcasts never recorded one
0: so uh, this is going to be interesting uh, maybe uh, first we just introduce ourselves and what we're actually doing here uh, so maybe i'll let you go first
1: okay so uh obviously i'm alex alex Eid. i uh work for Flectal. um i lead the real estate uh, side um with a focus on kind of strategy and sourcing um, and uh, kind of uh, dealing with clients as well, uh, investors, um, you know, end users who are looking to buy a property in London.
0: Great. Thank you for that. And I'm Labib, Labib Kadoura. I'm one of the co-founders of uh, Fractal Fractal Homes, and um, basically I'm responsible for pretty much everything. I mean, I dabble into everything at Fractal Homes, but mostly I look at sales and investor relations, et cetera. And the reason we're here today really is to talk about uh, Fractal, the idea of fractional ownership, um, where did the idea really come from, originate, how we brought the team together, and really what we're doing on a day-to-day basis at Fractal Homes. And we thought that this would be a good opportunity also to go over fractional ownership and, and what it means really to clients and investors wanting to buy a property in Lomb- in, uh, in, uh, in London on a fractional basis.
1: So if we take it back, um, starting from the top, you know, where were you before, I guess, London? Where were you before Fractal? And, like, where did this journey start?
0: Yeah, well, really, I mean, if you think about it, this, this journey started with the other co-founder of Fractal, which is Wadia, And uh, myself and Wadia, we met uh, originally in, in Montreal. Uh, we went to uh, McGill together. He, he was the brainy guy. He did engineering. while I was more economics and finance. But that's where we met the first time, and we became friends, really. And we reconnected when uh, we got to London. Uh, we were both w- working for uh, Merrill Lynch at the time. Uh, That was pre-2008. And uh, we became flatmates, very, very good friends. And eventually, he moved over to Dubai with Merrill's. I did with JP Morgan as well. And we always said to each other when we were flatmates, friends, that we wanted to work together one day. And about nine years ago, we left our respective jobs and we opened MENA Financial Partners um, in Dubai and in London, uh, which looked mostly at, uh, at financing and debt and acquisition finance for our clients over the Gulf. And we did that with success for, you know, um, eight, nine years. Um, and then, but we were always thinking of uh, moving back to London because we were spending a lot of time in Dubai. Our families were in London. And really, we want something with uh, much more terminal value than, than kind of consulting or advisory. Um, and we always wanted to dabble in the property space. Um, So that's when the idea of doing something in property, doing a company that is involved in property, and also utilizing all the knowledge and experience we had in the debt front kind of came together. And we saw this fractional ownership model coming out of the U.S., and we said, oh, interesting, and that was kind of the the first moment that we started really thinking about fractional ownership and how could it apply to our clients, and how could we best utilize our knowledge in debt and our experiences in the Middle East um, to uh, to put together this fractional model that we have now as fractal.
1: So I take it there was uh, some overlap with your previous experiences and what uh, you're doing now.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the debt really comes into play, but also it's really our network also in the Middle East in terms of And, you know, I'm Lebanese by background. The is very big. Um, All my friends, whether they work in Dubai or Africa, everybody really aspires to own a house um, in not only in the UK, but in Europe generally, whether it's a house uh, in London, Paris, or it's somewhere in, let's say, I don't know, south south of France or south of Spain. Everybody wants a piece of Europe, really. Uh, The problem with Europe is, number one, uh, secondary homes, especially if you're looking at luxury second homes. They're very, very expensive. And number two, it's kind of the lack of mortgages, especially if you're, working in Africa or the Middle East, really finding somebody to kind of finance your home here. And that's why, we'll talk about this a bit more, but that's why fractional ownership came about in terms of buying a piece of a property, using it for a specified period um, of time every year. Uh, That, what we thought that, that was kind of the initial target market that we had in mind in terms of targeting these people that are priced out of the market because houses are so expensive, but at the same time providing like an accessibility point that they can come and giving us all the property management services around that. But that's maybe for a little point later.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely okay very interesting so um, background obviously in the Middle East have a lot of experience dealing with uh, kind of customers from there the clientele from over there the kind of cultural mindset of what they want how they behave um, uh, and what they're looking for in terms of property I guess um, uh, in the, starting in the UK um, where did you you know you know when you came up with fractal you know how did that that start I mean
0: Uh, Really it was, we saw the model coming out of the US um, and then we said, oh, this is a very interesting model, but how can we apply it to our region? And we we, we tried to let sales or demand determine what we were going to do. And that's, number one, uh, why really we focused on metropolitan cities. That's why we're starting in London, uh, Paris, and Madrid. And the reason behind that is that if you focus solely on coastal locations, the seasonality really comes about. And our clients told us that they tend to be repeat visitors multiple times a year uh, to cities like London, where they come to... Visit their um, their 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 son in or, girl, or daughter in university. They come for business. They come for entertainment. Uh, they come even for their education to do some courses. So it's a it's a visit that they tend to be repeat visitors. But w- with the problems they face is they don't want to deal with the hassle of finding a mortgage, of finding of a property, of doing um, the cleaning, of doing all the property management. They want a one stop shop, somebody that provides them the solution at a fraction of the price at the same time. So. I think here we need just to pause for a second and discuss this. I think overall, it's not only European or UK property that's been affected, but this is a global phenomenon, really. And it's because all central banks in the world have started increasing rates about 18 months ago, two uh, two years ago. Uh, which meant that interest rates, as far as probably the, the new generation now can remember, interest rates have been at or close to zero. And they, in the last 18 months to two years, they've increased right now. I mean, you're looking at mortgages of about 5 6% on a 25-year basis in the UK. So what this has done is that it has removed really a lot of affordability uh, from the market, where fractal comes in. But still, in terms of property the property market generally in, in, in London, in prime central London, has taken a beating. So what really I wanted to discuss with you, Alex, seeing your expertise in the market over the last you know, 10, 15 years, is what do you think about the current state of the property market in London? And what is your forecast? Nobody has a crystal ball, but what, could, what do you predict for the years to come?
1: So, I mean, going back a little bit, I, I've been in the property market for 12 years. And so, you know, looking back, interest rates were at an all-time low uh, it didn't occur to me at the time obviously i was new to the property market and looking back now it, it seems silly that we didn't do more or buy more or take advantage of such a low interest rate environment um when i was in the property market 2012 london was booming We were seeing increases of about 10 percent year on year people were flooding into the city people wanted to buy um there weren't so many changes like there is now to uh, the stamp duty taxes and and, and changes in how um, uh, taxes were 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 um, uh, incurred or subsidized or how how it infected investors, um, so we saw a rise ten percent year on year by 2014 2015. That started to um, kind of the froth started to uh, die out. It started to stabilize and. Um, I think the UK went through a little bit of uncertainty, whether that was political um, to do with Brexit um, or a change of leadership, um, uh, and you know obviously that has taken quite some time to resolve itself. Um, now we have kind of the war, Ukraine-Russia war. We have you know challenges with inflation, um.
0: and then also I mean the cherry on top, we got COVID in the middle of all this as well, so that
1: didn't help. Absolutely, and also during that time, what I think the government has tried to do. Is increase um, uh, first-time homeowners and first-time buyers. So what we've seen is a changes in um, how stamp duty is levied mm-hmm. and the increase on second homeowners being able to purchase or internationals being able to purchase and how much they have to pay to try and again ward off some of that um, demand. Um, we've seen changes in how buy-to-let investors, how their 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 interest is deducted and ha- how much tax they have to pay. You know, so we've seen. Many changes which has tried to kind of stabilize the market, reduce that kind of price jumps year on year in order to make it more affordable and allow more first-time homeowners to to buy property, whether that's in London or the rest of the UK. Um, I think some of this has affected supply. So we see, and I can talk about prime central London or or London in general, it has affected uh, supply that's available. Okay. Um and uh it's also affected demand. Obviously COVID was a big big player, you know, for 2 years the world kind of stopped. Um and the way that I see it right now is that you know, prices haven't changed that much. We're starting to see a small tick, upward ticks, you know, 1 2%, 3%. I think it's starting to move again. I think one of the main reasons is supply is very low and demand is still outweighing supply. So we're still having movement, the, the market is still buoyant. And I think it's it's just a matter of time before we see that price jump. I think, you know, we are going to see appreciation in London property prices. They've been stable for so long. We have a lot of pent-up demand. At some point, it's going to have to have an impact. Yeah, I mean... So I'm quite bullish is my is my is I mean, my short view.
0: And that's really on the demand side. But if we focus a bit also on the supply side, supply li- tends to be limited. I mean, those are the two factors uh, really determining the price. Absolutely. And, and supply, how, I mean... How can it grow more? Because, I mean, we know that the focus, the areas that we're looking at, prime central London, there is so much regulation attached to it. So it's much right.
1: regulation, unlike, you know, places like New York um, uh, and other uh, cities, or like Dubai, where people are building upwards. London is quite limited in its ability to build res- residential buildings upwards in prime areas. The amount of land, the amount of space to build is limited. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a city that's, you know, been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, it's densely populated. You know, if you want to be in Chelsea, there's very, very few new um, residences or new supply that's going to be able to come. It's a lot of supply that changes hands. But in terms of building so much new supply that would affect price or take price backwards, that doesn't happen. Yeah.
0: So Alex, um, one thing that we hear on the press, over and over, is that the lack of availability of of rentals in London, uh, generally, and when it is, when do people do find the property? How they're being overbid, even from a rental perspective, on these properties, trading very, very high, make it very unaffordable for a lot of people. So, I have two questions here. Number one, what's causing this? And number two, do you expect it to continue?
1: Uh, Great question. I mean, so as you know, Labib, from my background, you know, I used to lead a property rental business. We did thousands of transactions a year, and I did this for over five years um, between 2015 and uh, 2020 almost. Um, You know, prices were high, but they were still, you know, accessible. What we're seeing today due to kind of changes in legislation, which is trying to push out buy-to-let investors and second Uh, kind of homeowners uh, from an investing perspective um, has definitely reduced the availability of supply in the market. You know, we speak to a lot of estate agents every single day because part of what we do is sourcing and curating. And that is the typical and kind of recurring theme of what they're saying. We have no supply. Um, And uh, so I think it's pushing prices definitely um, uh, to to kind of all-time highs we're seeing jumps of 10 15 20% in year year uh, definitely um, i think the other reason is the success of short-let uh, property rentals kind of the airbnb market the you know one fine stay market is definitely moving properties away from the long-term um, rental availability um, and 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 and, and, and that's what's pushing prices up, and um, so I don't think this is going to change un- un- unless there is some involvement from government or trying to become stricter rules around how you can operate uh, short led properties. I think for us, from a yield management point of view, and you know, being able to provide investors, um, um, you know, this kind of. Uh, uh, facet or approach to making money from their property, I think this helps us because if we can do a mixed approach to property renting uh, and uh, increase the prices on the long- term um, uh, lets because of the lack of supply, I think that uh, that helps increase yields.
0: Yeah, yeah and um, I mean there's not like the there can be thousands of properties automatically put on the market. I mean for the foreseeable future, this problem is not going to be able to get resolved.
1: No, it definitely won't be able to get resolved. Also, something important about the London market, which historically I've had, especially internationals, ask this question is like, you know, is this property a rentable property? And it's a very, very common question that international people ask, because I don't think other markets, other metropolitans around the world are as buoyant and are as liquid as the London rental market. You know, traditionally, you put something on the market here, it rents, you know, within a week, within two weeks, especially if it's, priced accordingly. Yeah. It's only now that we're being able to really push those price boundaries. London, things rent. You know, there's, there's always demand. There's a huge demand for, for properties and that's not going to change anytime soon. A lot of supply has to come back to the market to change um, the demand that we have.
0: Yeah, and that can't really be done without like legislation and et cetera, 100%. in terms of encouragement uh, for the rental market. But yeah, so you, you, your thoughts is this is gonna stay and we're gonna be able to help our clients from a yield management perspective from a try yield- to achieve the highest return they can on their investment.
1: Yields are only improving because we still have kind of from an acquisition point of view, prices are still relatively stable. Okay. Yes, they are going to start increasing, and I think the prediction and speculation is that we will see prices starting to move up. But um, uh, and from a yield perspective, if prices don't move up quickly and we and we and we catch this uh, this wave, we'll be able to maximize yields for our clients.
0: Yeah. Great. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, it's our fourth first podcast, so <laughs> we came here with a bit of uh, butterflies in our stomach, but. Um, well, hopefully, you found this. Uh, you found plenty of information, or some of the information that you were looking for. Obviously, reach out uh, to myself, Alex, or anybody in the Fractal team to learn more. Uh, thank you for listening to us. Um, have a great day.
1: Definitely. I, by the way, I think it was good for our first time, but also. Uh You know, I think there's a few more uh, episodes to come, which we can expand on. And for those who want to stay up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us across all our socials, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, or Pinterest at fractal.homes. In addition, um, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us by email. We're on sales at fractal.homes.